2: We're the Satellite Sisters. I'm Leanne Dolan here in Los Angeles with my sister Liz Dolan. I'm a writer and producer. I have two college-age kids, a big dog in Canada. You are my friend. (laughs)
1: Liz? (laughs) I'm Liz Dolan. That's right. I'm here with Leanne in the studio. I am an on-again, off-again executive, and I live in
0: Santa Monica, California with my little dog, Hooper. Julie? Hey, I'm Julie Dolan. I'm in Brooklyn, New York today, but I live in Dallas, Texas, but I've also lived all over the world, traveled all over the world. I'm an empty nester and an urban nana. Mm-hmm. Julie, we are going to tap into your expertise today. I mean,
2: North Korea, obviously having a moment and you have a couple thoughts on the dictator. I mean, the leader of North Korea. So you're going to yeah. give us that later on. Based on, on, in the show. on some, your travels to insights, North Korea. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then uh, we're going to also here get an update on Urban Nana from Brooklyn. So that's fantastic. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? IHUB.
1: Oh, yeah. IHUB. <laughs> what? I have a point of view about IHUB and campaigns like IHUB, Leon. Thank you. You know, I've spent my whole career in marketing. Yeah. I have a strong point of view about IHOB. Excellent.
2: We're going to talk about that. I am going to give you my Paris travel log. Oh, I I can't wait. Yeah. You know, I went to Paris a couple weeks ago with my 20-year-old son. We had sort of a specific agenda. So I'm going to give you some tips. No, I didn't go to Versailles. All right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Every single... Oh, did you go to Versailles? No. I've been to Versailles. We didn't go to Versailles.
0: <laughs> but and you know
1: what What people don't know is that, like, when Lian comes back from Paris, and Julie and I each separately, like, on just phone calls we have, yeah. ask Lian about her trip. She says, I can't tell you. I'll tell you on the show. <laughs> so you've been home for weeks. We don't know anything, really, yeah. about your trip to we're Paris. We're very excited so to hear this, We are going to be as surprised inf- as you are. Yes. Right. Excellent. Excellent. Right. Thanks, girls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I just have a reminder, because we've gotten some email about this lately, about links and show notes for every show that we do so here's the deal when we do a show uh anything any story that we recommend book that we talk about film that we talk about i always put links in our show notes and we always put the links to our sponsors so that for instance today our sponsors are care harry's ZipRecruiter, and Beachbody. So if you're trying to find those links, and I know lots of times you're like driving when you hear the show, whatever. The super easiest way to do it is look at your phone. If you're listening on a podcast app on your phone, that just tap the cover art and you'll see if you scroll up a little bit like in Apple Podcasts or really all of the apps the show notes come up sometimes you have to open them sometimes they're just right there depending on the app and the link to the sponsor will always be right there now if that's if you'd rather just do it at home sitting at your computer also super easy we replicate the same thing satellitesisters.com our website. There's always a complete set of show notes with additional photos. Yeah, for instance, you know, <laughs> like like Leon's Rome report included the photo of Leon and her son Colin at St. Peter's. We can't do that on the podcast, people. We do do it on the blog anyway. So all the sponsor links are always on the blog, so you can find them in your podcast app. If you hit the cover art and then scroll up to show notes or uh, or on the blog. And we always have the, there's you know, if there's a custom URL, which 99.9% of the time is what, Leon Sisters. 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 So it's, you know, www.sponsored.com slash sisters. Right. If you're just trying to guess, most of the time it's that. Occasionally we get one that's different. Right. And if there's a special promo code we need you to use, I put that in the notes. Right. So, super easy way to find everything and if it was 3 weeks ago on the blog you can just scroll through and find the 3 week old and and the code is always still good it's usually
0: yeah mm-hmm. yeah usually usually should usually. Should I say usually yeah. Okay. i mean not years yeah, later because sometimes it takes a while to get around to ordering yeah, the sure. new item you yes. know your new dagny dover bag or right. whatever it might be <laughs> right. so yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. No, and we're good. We're super glad that you want to support our sponsors. It's really important to us that they get your your business. So we try to make it easy for you. And that's the easiest way for you to uh, support us by using our sponsors. Tap the cover. art. Yep. That's the key. All right. Uh, you know,
2: our show we bill Satellite Sisters as a pep talk for modern life. But sometimes pep talks are not easy. Sometimes you have to have the hard conversation. So this week on the show, we're starting off with the terrible news last week of Kate Spade's suicide, which happened while we were on the air. That news alert came in. <laughs> yeah. And I looked down at the phone, and because I keep the phone open for the timer, I almost couldn't finish the rest of the show. I almost I almost just know. cried out in the middle of the show, like, holy cow. And then the terrible news about Anthony Bourdain's
1: Who suicide
2: just days later. And, you know, and then I'm sure, like I did, many of you read every article you possibly could just to try to understand what puts a person in that frame of mind mm-hmm. when they are, you know, visibly successful, they are parents, they are connected to family and friends, they have an outward look that it seems positive and attractive, and they're intelligent and engaged in the world. But then it also made me think. What a terrible week if you've experienced suicide in your family, Mm -hmm. you know? And there were quite a few articles last week of people whose, you know, parents had killed themselves or sisters or brothers writing in various publications about how this uh, news like that, like the double suicide... Just really must affect you again, as if you yeah. don't think mm-hmm. about it every day.
1: Yeah. that right. talk
2: about triggering events. And I know that phrase has
1: a bad connotation now, but that's a but real For sure, tr- was that kind of Real
2: week. triggering event last yeah. week. Yeah. So I read
1: a very moving story by Sally Yates, you know, the former deputy attorney general, about her father's suicide. Oh, really? Mm hmm. David Axelrod's
2: dad also committed suicide. Really? Yes. I heard him on a podcast talk about that. It's just not something that ever leaves you. Yeah. And so then when something like this happens, you must spiral downward again.
1: Yeah. And there's so much shame attached to it that I don't think you tell people. You know, it's just not something that you come forward with. So you know obviously destigmatizing mental illness in general is part of the solution but also there was a lot written in the last week about kind of addressing suicide as a risk specifically like mm-hmm. how do you take this on with people because i know for any of us it, it is really hard to say to someone you're not going to harm yourself are you or have you would, ever said that, to I, have said that yeah. to someone. I have said that i have said that to someone julie have you
0: i have said that to someone yeah. yep it's, and, and, and it's out of real concern out of real concern right. it's you i know, really think hard. a lot of people know about mental illness it's much more acceptable people talk about being in treatment talk, they talk about being on medication but at the same time uh there is a whole another level of obviously of depression and despair that people can't talk or don't feel like they can open up about you know yeah. And even
2: if they did, it makes me wonder: as someone who's never been through that, could I even relate? Do I understand? Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. can I? Because I certainly can't look at Kate Spade and go, "Well, that seems like a good
1: call," mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And
2: and that's not to say anything bad about. Like right. you just can't mentally get there if you've not been there. Yeah, I
1: think that's true. There was a really uh, thoughtful list of things in a story in the New York Times on Sunday, and I put a link to this in our show notes, called What to Do When a Loved One is Severely Depressed. And so I suggest you read it because some of it is obvious, but some of it also helps you understand your own fears about bringing it up. So for instance, you know, what we were just talking about is the uh, number three on this list is It's okay to ask if they're having suicidal thoughts because they say a lot of people worry that by even asking that question, you are planting the seed of something. You know, and obviously you worry when you ask that question that you're also insulting the person in some way
0: or and uh, and they say hurting their feelings or it's alarmist like you're overreacting to a situation, you it's hard to, it's hard to know what, what is the right response or it's too probing, you know, like maybe you shouldn't ask those questions.
1: So there's a quote in here, um, from a guy named Alan Doderlein, the executive vice president of external affairs at the depression and bipolar support Alliance. And he said, it's important to know you can't trigger suicidal thinking just by asking about it. Mm. And like, I know that seems basic, but mm-hmm. I think it's really important for yeah. people to know that right. because it's a terrifying thing to ask someone. The next thing on the list is take any mention of death seriously. Even when a person with depression casually mentions death or suicide, it's important to ask follow-up questions. If the answers don't leave you feeling confident that a depressed person is safe— experts advise involving a professional as soon as possible. Hmm. You know, and I also put some of the uh, phone numbers for suicide hotlines in our show notes for today. So um, in the event that that's something that you feel is uh, something you need, there you have it. And, um, And it said also, don't try to cheer them up or offer advice that, you know, you're kind of not qualified to help, you do need to show up for them and encourage them to go seek the help they need. But uh, there's nothing you can say that is really going to um, cheer them up when it's this kind of clinical depression. And, and that is, I think, a natural instinct.
2: Yeah. Oh, come on. you know, Or to diminish it. How bad could it be? Oh,
1: yeah. come on. Yeah. Let's just go take a walk. Let's, yeah. you know, people... Yeah, they know there's a psychotherapist here that says not only is that unlikely to boost someone's mood, it could backfire by reinforcing the sense that you just don't get it, said Megan Devine, a psychotherapist and the author of a book called It's OK That You're Not OK. And she says your job as a support person is not to cheer people up. It's to acknowledge that it sucks right now and their pain exists, mm, right. which I think is a good reminder, too. Um, then there are a few more suggestions here you can read them one of course is take care of yourself and set boundaries and i think the take care of yourself part fine but the setting boundaries is hard also like right. so you want to really be there and be there for someone and ask them probing questions and make sure they understand that you're there so Where do you put that boundary, you know? Because on the other hand, you hear the advice, detach with love, right? Have you ever heard that? Like, you see someone spiraling down, kind of save yourself. So I personally don't know where the line is between really being there for someone with the probing questions and setting up boundaries and kind of detaching with love. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that has trouble with that. Yeah. Well, it just reminded me of a couple of years ago. It was a while ago now, Brooks in high school.
2: He had a, you know, he had a Facebook friend that he wasn't super close to. She wasn't a girl that went to his school or even a sister school. She went to school a couple towns away. Long story short, like, she confided in him that she was thinking about hurting herself, committing suicide. She was already cutting, and she thought that she might want to commit suicide. And he's a 16-year-old boy, okay? That is... (laughs) He is. That's heavy. Not super emotionally ready to handle this, mm-hmm. but he knew he needed to tell someone. So in, he was too nervous to even have a conversation with me. So he texted me all of this, like from school one day. Huh.
0: So that was smart, Liam. You know that what? Was good. I'm
2: all for the texting. If that mm-hmm. opens up communication, fine. So then I have this information that there's a young girl I don't know. And parents, I don't know at a school I'm not super familiar with. So now, what to do? Yeah, because you know what, I do believe that article. Any mention of death is bad. Yes, because you know what, I don't ever think about doing that. You know, I, you know if you're healthy, that's not really coming mentally healthy. That's not really on your on your checklist. Yeah, yeah. you're you know? not ruminating you're about not how ruminating you're going to die. That. So I had one friend whose daughter was at that school. I called her. She recommended a guidance counselor. I emailed the guidance counselor. And even though it was a school vacation, she got right back to me, Mm -hmm. informed the parents, the parents then wrote a thank you note to Brooks. Wow. Oh,
1: my God. That's good. That chokes me up just thinking about that. Wow. You know, I
0: think there are are also like certain points in time when, you know, you can be as a friend, you can be on the lookout for your friends, you know, whether it's the teenage years, you know, sort of key transition personal transition points in you know in one's life, whether it's the teenage years or as young adults. I think in these two high profile cases of Kate Spade and Anthony Bourdain, they were in their late fifties and early sixties, which is another big transition period for a lot of people, you know, where they may be finishing a career or thinking about finishing a career, retiring, maybe they're empty nesters, or, you know, maybe they, you know, there could be many things going on in their lives at this point, but it's good to be aware of your close friends or Mm -hmm. friends around you and be open to listening to them as they're going through these transitions, I think.
2: Yeah, that's a good point, Julie, because I think you think there are trigger points like Brooks in these teenage years. I know you just don't mess around. And yeah. if something had happened to that girl, I didn't want that on his shoulders yeah. you know, or mine. Like, those yeah. parents needed to know. Everybody in the chain responded properly. The school, the parents, you know, thank you for opening up a line of communication. We had no idea. But then in the 50s, there's a lot happening in people's lives. Like, mm-hmm. you know, kids yes, paid. You know, I mean, it's a... It's kind of a downer decade. I I have to, like, because people are caught between their children and their parents. Yes. You see. There's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of financial pressure if you have kids in school or college, like, All of a sudden, everyone at work is coming to get you. Every young kid out there Mm -hmm. who knows how to use a computer is coming at you for your job. A lot of people lose their jobs in their 50s, physical right? I
0: also think they're lifestyle choices, too, that, you know, maybe, you know, you could be a hard partier in your 30s or your 40s, you you know, that some of those health issues are not sustainable and that you see it in the decade in the 50s, you know, where you just really have you have to come to grips with things that you've been doing for the last 10, 20 years that just are no longer sustainable.
2: Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, it did. It it was kind of a stunning and shocking week last week. And one thing I was reminded of, Anthony Bourdain, I just was really an admirer of his. And um, (laughs) Brooks had told me that. um, Brooks had told me that. In his religion class, senior year, by then they would just given up trying to teach the boys. You know, at, <laughs> at a Catholic, Catholic school, at a Catholic school, <laughs> they've shoved enough religion down your throats for the first so spring of senior 11, year. You're, they're you're not going to convert you to anything. He said. So we just watched Parts Unknown every every <laughs> class. We watched an episode of Parts Unknown because the religion teacher said this is as good as anything you're going to read anywhere else about <laughs> teaching you about humanity and kindness <laughs> and compassion. And I, I think that says speaks yeah, volumes about that's that. That's yeah. and, and women felt the same way about Kate Spade, yeah. you know, that she was a role model. She was someone they looked up to. I She was, seemed like such a
1: bright light. She seemed like a mm-hmm. bright light. And mm-hmm.
2: they, yeah, that's, I think that it's just, so that's confounding. Those, those two people that sort of held really special spots in our lives. But I was thinking of all the people last week who had lost family members to suicide too.
1: So... All right. Yeah. Well, the, the first thing on this list that I was talking about is don't underestimate the power of showing up. And I think that's what we say every week, which is call your satellite sister. You, you think something is going on? Call them. All right. right. We're the, Absolutely. We're the satellite
2: sisters. We're going to take a break and we'll be back. This is Leanne, Liz, and Julie, and we would listen. Julie, we're back with the news. You're up.
0: This is it. <laughs> your your summit. Take it away, Jewel. Take it away. <laughs> I know, It is hard to believe. Here we are, June 12th, 2018. And no matter where it, what you think, there is just unprecedented diplomatic activity today between the United States and North Korea, activity that was unthinkable six months ago, uh, when you think about the things that we were talking about on this podcast and, you know, the the fear we had about what Kim Jong-un was planning as he was launching missiles. And certainly it was unthinkable when I went to North Korea um, over six years ago. I mean, that uh, visiting that country for five days, I mean, it was just so, it was, first of all, it was so militaristic. It was, as I have said many times on our podcast, the worst place on Earth it is a human rights disaster and the level of anti-american rhetoric was so extreme that it, that it was hard to like look at the images that were going on today now i'm not going to uh, proffer any kind of interpretation of the agreement that was signed or any of that but no? i do have okay. a th- okay. right. do, <laughs> no so we're not going to do that um, but i do have a theory about kim jong un and it's based on my visit to North Korea, you know, and when I went there, um, here's, here's my take on, uh, Kim Jong-un. He is the grandson. Okay. He is the third dictator, uh, in, in a long line. It was his grandfather that's, um, that set up this Stalin like country, um, um, in the 1950s. Okay. So he is now the grandson and I think Kim Jong-un wants out. I think he, he has tried to be a dictator, a ruthless dictator for three years, and he has machine gunned various people. He has killed at least 450 people are attributed to, you know, that he has personally called for the executions of it. Mm-hmm. He has imprisoned. We don't even know how many more uh, North Koreans uh he has, uh, in, uh, in, you know, terrorized his own country and all the neighboring countries with a buildup uh, militaristically. But I think at the heart of it, he doesn't want to live there. Now, keep in mind, he grew up mainly in Switzerland. And when you visit North Korea, one of the things you're struck with is it's a time warp. I talked mm-hmm. about this. Yeah. It's from the 1950s there. OK. You know, you have you have. You have no Wi-Fi there. There are no cars. You know, there's bad TV. There, It's cold. It's, there's no electricity. There's very little food. And certainly the United States approach over the last six months with this maximum pressure, it has limited the luxury goods that, you know, that he, uh, that Kim Jong-un and the other elites were able to get their hands on. So it's made his life even more difficult. Um, and I also think, you know, he's a young guy. He doesn't like hanging around with those relics from his grandfather's Mm -hmm. age. Mm -hmm. I think it is the problem of any terroristic dynasty. It's very difficult to sustain. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I think really what he wants is I think he wants to be on I, I, I know this sounds like a joke, but I think it's serious. I think he wants out I think he wants to be on Celebrity Apprentice or a Family Feud with, you know, Kanye and Kim or something like that. I think he wants a cool car. I think he wants Wi-Fi. He wants broadband. I, 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 you know, I think some of that is even reinforced by the images we saw today. Mm -hmm. He was very envious, envious of President Trump's car. I mean he just this is not his fight. The struggle that his grandfather set, you know, set up uh the vision his grandfather has, I don't think that's Kim Jong Un's thing at all. I don't I think just don't know.
1: Yeah. Him. That's fascinating. I can totally see that. If you grew up in Switzerland, you get home to Pyongyang and that's not good. But you still have yeah, the ability look, to execute look, hundreds of people and right, you're doing that, right. you know. So it's a tough pivot to make. <laughs>
0: yeah I mean I don't think that's I mean you know there you know, look at his best friend showed up in- S- uh, Singapore, Dennis Rodman, okay, yeah, I think he wants to hang out with people like that. I don't think that he has literally the stomach uh to to continue this reign of terror that his father you know his father and his grandfather um implemented uh you know i don't think it's providing him with the kind of life that he wanted to live, certainly, his father was very enamored with you know, Western celebrities Mm -hmm. and, you know, you know, uh, Kim Jong Il's favorite movie was the Apple Dumpling Gang, you know, (laughs) and he, in fact, referenced that when he met with Secretary Madame Albright. I mean, so they're fascinated by the West and the celebrity and the celebrity culture. And just sort of coincidentally, we have this celebrity as a president. So I think he sees this as his opportunity to get out. And I, you know, because it is so bad there mm-hmm. and, and that he clearly does not have the skills or the will to maintain this or to solve the problems in front of his people, which is not enough food, not enough electricity, you know, the you know, just the, the isolation being cut off. He he's not willing to do that.
1: Yeah. So that's yeah, that's fascinating. So, for those of you who did not hear Julie's original episode about, she actually went to North Korea. I know, I know it seems unbelievable that Julie took a vacation in North Korea. But we will, I will repost in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group the episode where Julie talks about what it was really like to be in North Korea. It's a good. Reminder now, as you're seeing yeah. all of this alternate imagery right. about like who this guy yeah. is and who this regime is, and, and what's the really going on. Fake water park, yes. and, yeah, all, all the, all of the that new buildings. Yes, yeah. So we will we will repost that. You can give it a listen. It's one of the few firsthand accounts of being in North Korea you're you're going to hear. It's fascinating. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I mean, I, I know yeah. there have been many North Korean experts. All over the media, um, you know, some who've actually been there, some who have not. But I, I, I did it did occur to me. It's just it's not sustainable. And he just he's looking for a way for a way out. So what that will mean, we don't know, because is he really in control of that country? I don't know. I mean, that you know, there's a whole military apparatus that has been reinforcing, you know, those, you know, human rights nightmare right. for, you know, for over 50 years. Um, you know, it, does he have enough power to sort of to get out of it? I don't know. I think would, is personally, would he like to get away from it? Yes. That's that's my my insight on all of it. OK, because Julie anyone Dolan would.
1: profiler. <laughs> <laughs> No, All that, right, that's interesting.
2: Well, I have been busy studying the other big news story of the week. Whispers started last week a whisper campaign that IHOP was changing their name to IHOB. <laughs> and of course, sensible people thought, Please "Well, that must explain this to me. That must be <laughs> breakfast or brunch." Yeah, and then yesterday the company revealed that it was burgers. That's the International House of Pancakes is now becoming an International House of Burgers. Mm-hmm. Talk about a Potemkin village, though, because <laughs> this whole plan seems to ah. have fallen apart right away. I yeah. mean, they only really changed the sign on one restaurant. I know. So, Liz, what's your take on this IHOP, IHOB controversy? Because <laughs> not one person in America is going to IHOB uh,
1: for IHOP. burgers. No. Yeah. The moment it started to come out that, oh, here's the plan, we're changing our name to IHOB. I knew that was not true. Like, it, despite the fact that they were saying it with a straight face. Yeah. Like, it was so clearly fake. And here's my thing. You know, as I said earlier, I worked most of my career in marketing and PR. I have dreamed up my share of really stupid campaigns. <laughs> I, like, totally, <laughs> totally cop to that. You, You're in these conference rooms and you're brainstorming and you have to come up with something that's going to generate some attention. Uh, so it was obvious to me clearly from the beginning of, oh. that that's what this was. Oh, so I fell for it. I never, not for one second. Okay. Not, not for fake? one second. It's fake? It's really fake, Liz? It's really fake, Julie, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It it's really fake. It's, it's, a, it's a short-term campaign to get you to talk about the fact that they have burgers. And here's the thing. Just as a marketing professional, I really dislike creative ideas that are based on duping the public into believing an idiotic premise, you know? Because don't you feel like they yeah. are saying, we think you are an idiot? Yes, That's what I don't like about yeah. this. Like, so people fell for it, and then they got all angry about it, and then they started to realize, wait a minute, and then now they're just back to, okay, well, it's just another, another thing that happens on Twitter. It's just another campaign. And I'm sorry, that is not a good trajectory because you know it gets lost in all of that conversation, Julie Leon. You know what we've totally lost here is the concept of pancakes. 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 Right. I
0: know. I was going to say which, which are we, delicious. We go, which well, are delicious. I know pancakes are delicious, Liz. <laughs> exactly. Can't we just have
1: pancakes? Just embrace the pancakes. Yeah. So it, it made me realize for the first time ever, like, of course, IHOP is an incredibly stupid name for like because even <laughs> right. IHOP doesn't embrace the pancake. Right. You know, do there are probably people, I mean, we're old enough, at right. least Julie, you and I are, to remember when it used to just be called International House of Pancakes. Right. Where there was no right. IHOP. It was the International House of Pancakes, which was sort of a fun it was it feels like a little bit of a world's fair positioning. Yeah. You know, you go in here and <laughs> right. you get your Swedish pancakes yeah. and you get your Greek pancakes yeah. and like but iHop is nothing? Yeah, I hops nothing.
2: I up. You even... took me to International House of Pancakes after my first communion. I did. You probably don't remember that on but... the Post Road in Westport. <laughs> Mom and Dad were not in town for my first communion. <laughs> you... So Liz
0: was in charge. Liz, of your, uh, Liz yeah, was left.
1: Of your religious education. Your
0: <laughs> yeah. It was. Mom and Dad were going <laughs> things, away. Things really broke down by yeah. the eighth child. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really. So yeah, I was all in my At least way. You had one. Did I you know. have a first communion dress? I had a dress. Well, here's what
2: mom did. We just She just took me to communion the week before. She goes, oh, God doesn't care. Here, I'm here for your first communion. Just, just go. I was like, I don't think that's allowed. You know, you're like seven. You don't wanna... Wait, what? You're going to go to hell not." So, And then they went away free conscious. And then so I went to the ceremony. And then it was the team of, I mean, Liz, Monica, Sheila, and Brendan took me to IHOP. Sort of. It a very solemn occasion. Very vivid memory of <laughs> International Astro Pancakes in my yeah, worldview. So
1: if you listen to our show and sometimes you think, you know, it really sounds like Leon grew up in an entirely different family. <laughs> uh, Julie, you're right. It's when you are number eight of eight, it's different than you're number three of eight, I'm number four of eight. There was still some process yeah. in the top half of the family. But by you get by the time you get down to the bottom half, all of that is broken gone. down. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm and, sorry, Liz. You were saying pancakes. I I'm mean, saying I... pancakes. Like if I was in charge of marketing IHOP, I would put the word pancake back <laughs> into the name because that's what people love. People, IHOP doesn't mean anything. And IHOB is just a way of insulting our intelligence. Right. Right. So, and I'm glad they got IHOP. The B really stands for backlash because they got quite the backlash yesterday. <laughs> and it is, uh,
2: but their stock prices went up three percent, which yeah. doesn't sound. Oh. Right. and and now that we know we've been
0: duped, I'm sure they'll fall again. Yes, you've yeah. been duped. Yeah, I feel like pro- Not that I've been to the uh, IHOP lately, but <laughs> I feel like protesting the place. Right. Yeah. And Julie, are you more likely to
1: go to IHOP because now you know they have burgers? No. No. No, I wouldn't. If you want a burger, you are not going to IHOP or IHOP. (laughs) Yeah, right. You're going to get in Yeah. You're going. Did you see they were even getting uh, trolled by Burger King yesterday? That was funny. I mean, it was people really got on board. Even Chiquita was trolling them. Chiquita. Yeah. Water burger was putting out.
0: What a pancake. Yeah. They were were doing the same thing.
1: But here's what the president of IHOP said to CNN yesterday We are definitely going to be IHOP. But we want to convey that we are taking our burgers as seriously as our pancakes. I'm sorry. That is a mistake. That right. is a big mistake.
2: That's <laughs> right.
1: Because what what do you have that is unique in your worldview as a brand? You've got the pancakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Embrace the pancake. Right. So uh, I I'll just end on this note. Our own... Social media manager here at Wondery, where we work. Satellite Sisters is part of the Wondery network. Her name is Kate. She does an excellent job with social media for the other Wondery shows, too. (laughs) What she tweeted out yesterday is, Sending my thoughts and prayers to the iHob social media manager today. <laughs> yeah. So this is who gets left holding the bag. Are these people like at the bottom of the chain right. that have to embrace this incredibly bad idea from whoever was in that brainstorming session? <laughs> Just embrace. go back to the pancake, people. That's okay. Leaving it there.
0: Okay, sisters, I have a, a short Urban Nana report for you. I, as I said at the top of the show, I'm here in Brooklyn um, helping my son, Will, and uh, his family, uh, daughter-in-law, Lauren, uh, Josephine, who's three and a half, and Evelyn, who's two months old. Now, as it, I arrived on Sunday, and as it turned out, um, Evelyn and Lauren we're out of town. They are visiting Lauren's parents in Ohio. They're, you know, expected back shortly. So it was just Will and three and a half year old Josephine. And I arrived uh, later on Sunday afternoon. And when I came into their apartment, there was a high degree of tension. And I was like, "What's the matter?" And my son, uh, not Josephine, but my son was very stressed out about Josephine's homework assignment. She's three and a half, but I guess here in Brooklyn, you have homework at three and a half. Uh, It was one of these flat, flat Stanley-like assignments that in her class, they have a stuffed animal uh, of a bumblebee named Miss Honey. And each child in the class gets to bring Miss Honey home for the weekend And you're supposed to take pictures with Miss Honey, you know, in your house and out and about. And then you're supposed to slap these pictures in a little black and white notebook that the class keeps. And uh, during when during the week they share the pictures. uh, Each child shares the pictures of Miss Honey and her adventure or his or her adventures. Seems simple enough. okay? Uh, but 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 (laughs) not possible for a three and a half year old to execute. Yeah. No, I can no, already totally
1: tell way. Liam hates this. Like, it's all coming back to you, right? How much of the yes, homework okay, the parents actually have to
0: do. You have to zip it. That's one of my rules as I an know. urban nana. You zip it. You don't. Nobody was asking me for my opinion, which was, this is ridiculous. Right. This shouldn't, you know, You no three <laughs> right. and a half year old child should have a homework assignment. Right. And it surely, surely should not create any tension or stress. But my son, who is editor, of a world-class art museum, he is now completely freaked out about this. Okay. So he spent all weekend taking pictures and, (laughs) and then he had to go to a special store to get, you know, he didn't just print them out on the computer. Oh no. He wanted to get, he wanted to make sure they were high resolutions. He went somewhere to get these pictures. Oh my god. Um, and he wasn't he wasn't happy with Josephine's expression in one of the pictures because he thought it made her look too uh mis- mischievous in the picture. I was like, "Don't worry about it. It's going to be fine." And then if you could have seen how much time he was taking laying out the photo essay and the <laughs> captions. Again, in this black and white notebook that other parents have just, well, then some parents had not just slapped it in like I would have, but that, you know, obviously spent some time. So he really upped his game with these pictures of Miss Honey and these cute captions and headlines. I mean, again, even the gluing technique uh, my son was doing, (laughs) of course, Josephine had, you know, really was not the least bit interested in, (laughs) in any of this. So, um, that's hilarious. Well, I guess if you're a
1: magazine editor, this assignment is right up your alley. It is. Uh, You're going to go all in on this.
0: yeah, he was he was really hoping to win this. I yeah. mean, later on, when, he, when Josephine has to compete in the science fair, I don't know what's going to happen. But, <laughs> you know, on the Miss Honey project, I think he aced it. And uh, it indeed was a lovely – it was a lovely layout when it was finished. <laughs> World-class. World-class. <That's> hilarious. <laughs> World-class. But my message to all nanas, uh, in this case urban nanas, just keep your mouth shut. Just, you know, just <laughs> – just keep it zipped. I know. Okay? You say you keep your mouth shut. Do you really keep your mouth shut? Yes. Well, yeah, except for on this podcast, okay. which he <laughs> you know, doesn't listen to. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I did not say what was in my heart, which is right. just slap it in the book. Yeah. Who cares? I did not say that, Liam. So, <laughs> okay. so okay. I was pretty good. Good work, Nana. So, one more thing I have. Uh, one more thing uh, I want to mention that we all want to mention is uh, we we want to do a special Satellite Sister of the Week to Debbie Abood's daughter. Now, I for those of you that are members of our Facebook group, uh, the Satellite Sisters Facebook group, you have seen this amazing post. Her daughter, Debbie Abood, who is a longtime listener to Satellite Sister, posted the picture of her daughter who was a surrogate for her friend, and she had recently given birth to two beautiful boys. One six pound one ounce, six pound nine ounce, Benjamin James and William John. Debbie Abood's daughter, if you look at this picture of the most beautiful woman in the world with these beautiful babies, this miraculous thing, this loving thing that she, and selfless thing, that she did for her best friend.
1: uh, It's an amazing, amazing gift to give someone. You just can't even... And just get you get choked up just looking at the picture, and I love Debbie's yes. message too about she gets two bonus grands, right
0: <laughs> which I am debbie, I am so happy that yes, that you will you know be the grandmother to these wonderful boys as well. They will be very special children that have had such a special birth and now are going to be part of this extended family. uh, what an amazing thing, not something. Uh, as we said, sisters, we wouldn't do it for each other, would we? No, 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 no way. <laughs> we, we did. We did a short poll, and the answer
1: was no. <laughs> None of us are selfless <laughs> enough to ever do something like that.
0: But I just, just love that picture, and I loved her expression. And thank you so much, Debbie, for sharing that with us. Please tell your daughter that she is the satellite sister of the week. Yeah.
1: All, All right. <laughs> right. So, uh, So we're back, and it's time for... Leon Dolan's tour of Paris, France, <laughs> Paris. which Julie and I have been anxiously awaiting for the weeks since you returned okay, let me... uh, from Europe. We loved all your Rome notes. Yes. And, you know, if you haven't seen that at SatelliteSisters.com or at leandolan.com It's more than just notes. There was a lot of very fine photography that you... Yeah, well, there's some some pretty good photography
2: and then some mediocre photography. But yes, you get photos along with it. Uh You get links to things. You get book recommendations, podcast recommendations, movie recommendations to supplement your trip. And then some specifics about the sites. Because in Rome, we really covered uh, ancient and Renaissance Rome. That's what we focused on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So then we moved on to Paris. And one of the reasons I'd wanted to go to Paris, because my latest book is set in Paris, okay? It's completed, and news on that soon. Uh, But I I hadn't been to Paris in 27 years, so my (laughs) memories were a little foggy. So you're trying to write (laughs) 100,000 words about a city you haven't been in, you know, Uh in a while. You're going to get some things... Off, You know, yeah. you get a lot right. I got a lot right. But some things were amiss. So I knew I needed to actually revisit the city and sort of track some of the things I did in the book uh, in real time to make sure life. they were still possible. Yes. To make sure they still existed. <laughs> and again, like I said, in Rome, the city has changed. Liz. I don't know. Apparently, Paris <laughs> has not stayed stagnant in 27 no. years. But I had spent at one point, you know, overall in my lifetime, I probably spent about a month in Paris. I've been there three times before, spending like a week to ten days there. I really loved Paris. At one point, my French was really pretty good, so I was very comfortable in Paris. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit like returning to New York. Like you sort of remember, oh yeah, that's where the yeah. Statue of Oh, okay, and that's Odette, how the Metro works. Part, I can yeah. do this. Yeah. It, it all came back to me, you know, very that's quickly. Good. Like it, it didn't, Impressive. it didn't feel that foreign. I was comfortable walking around. I don't know, the Eiffel Tower seemed a little bit farther away than I remember. But other than that, like, everything else came back to me. It's got
1: all that new lighting, though, the Eiffel Tower. It's just awesome, right? Just a
2: weird FYI, Liz. I was there the night they revealed that. Oh. New Year's Eve, 1986. You were? I was there, yes. that That is a stat that impressed my son because we were sitting at the Eiffel Tower Park and he was reading all about the book, about the Eiffel Tower out loud. And he was like, they debuted these lights on New Year's Eve 1986. And I was like, well, I was here that night. I don't remember that's, it. That's, the lights, impressive. But... that's impressive for your son. That is cool. <laughs> it was. That you were at
0: one point cool. <laughs> it was. It was, a, it was a
2: reminder, Julie. It was a reminder. So we had a couple of specific things we had to do for the book. So as I, I mentioned before, we didn't go to like far-flung places. We didn't try to see everything in Paris. There were a couple of places I had to go to that might not be like, woohoo hoo big tourist sites. But I, I'm going to give you some highlights of the things we did that really were great. Please. Now he had never been to Paris before, and a couple of things to remember: we were there in mid-May, so it stayed light till like ten o'clock at night. So we had fantastic. and we had fantastic weather. So uh, and we did a ton of walking. We used the metro. We took a few cabs. I actually took a train somewhere in the middle of a train strike, so that didn't work very well. But I took that darn train and I took it back to Paris. But we had a couple of great like combinations of things that we did. So uh, the first day we were there, we just did a tremendous amount of walking. You just can't help it. It's You just want to see the whole city. And we we literally walked 15 miles that day. Um, But my big plan, this is my big plan. There's like one night a year where all the museums in Europe are free. And We mm. happened to be there. That it was the middle of May. It's called. good planning. So I said, "Oh, that'll be fun." We weren't going to go to the Musée D'Orsay because he had very limited interest in impressionism in general. He just hadn't quite gotten there in art history yet. But I was like, "Look, well, it's free. <laughs> let's go." So it's quite the Musée. We're yeah. wandering around, you know, during the day in Paris. We're walking up to the Eiffel Tower, and he looks at me. And goes, "You know, could we pay to go to that museum so we don't have to go with everybody in Paris?" To- and He's was, a big thinker, lame. <laughs> he is. I, it was like a light bulb went off. I'm like, yeah, I guess we could pay to go to the world's finest museum of impressionist art. So that was fun. We paid to get in. And guess what? Because the museum was free Saturday night, there weren't that many people there Saturday during the day paying Excellent. the money. Excellent. So, and I had recalled that they had a really great restaurant in the museum because Monica and I had been there 27 years ago when uh-huh. the museum first opened. So we timed it for lunch. We had a delightful lunch in the, in the museum restaurant. Then we took in all of Impressionism. And you know what? Impressionism, it's beautiful. Like, it's just it's just (laughs) so beautiful
0: after all these years. It's still
2: strong, Julie. Like those Renoirs are still take your breath Mm -hmm. away. Mm -hmm. And the Gauguin's, they're like they're shocking. You know, that period of post-impressionists and the Saison's. And it's just a win, win, win. Like they're all beautiful. And uh, and he was like, hmm yeah, these are pretty nice. You know, they like getting on board with Impressionism. So it, we do, we take in the whole museum. If you haven't been there, it's built in an old train station. Uh, and so it, the Dorsay, which was the Gar Dorsey, the and now it's the Musee Dorsay. So the building itself is spectacular. Tons of light, easy flow to walk around, he, those huge clocks you see in animated movies. <laughs> I mean, it's just spectacular. Yeah. And then like all the best Impressionist art. And then bonus, we saw Pierce Brosnan. In oh oh yeah, wow. <laughs> because he's also
1: willing to pay to get in. I figured, like, he doesn't
2: You're need on the free the VIP
0: entry. tour. Yeah. yeah. He
2: was just looking at a, He was just looking at a renoir like I was. I only noticed him because he's literally the most handsome man I've ever seen. I mean, <laughs> so handsome. And then I realized, oh, that's Pierce Brosnan. I thought he was just another incredibly attractive Frenchman, French uh, Frenchman, but no, Pierce Brosnan. So so we did that on Saturday. And then Sunday I had signed up for a tour of Montmartre. Uh-huh. With an organization called Context Tours. Now they good give tours. Good all good to do tours. You with know a guide.
1: what? I, I like that
2: real tour with a guide. They promise that all the guides have you know MAs, Masters, or PhDs, and they're given subjects. They're real experts. They're small group tours, just six people in our tour. They give tours all over the world. Like you can do a context tour of like Hamilton sites in New York City. Like Mm -hmm. that would be fun. That would be right with Mm -hmm. someone who really knows early American history. So I have quite a few scenes in my book set in Montmartre. I had never been to (laughs) Montmartre. I never
0: actually well that that's bold on your part (laughs) to write about a very specific area of Paris. Yeah, I've been to. Good That's the way. thing about writers, Julie. They just make stuff up. They Isn't make stuff it amazing. Up.
2: Yeah, they just. You know uh, what? And stuff is on this thing called the internet, so you can actually like Google Map any street in the world. It feels like. But I wanted to get the feel of it. But what we didn't anticipate, of course, our our guide Marie was fantastic. Of course, her name was Marie. <laughs> of course, it was. It was Marie. She had a <laughs> scarf on, and um, and she had not one but two masters in art history. So she was really focused on that. And that's where a lot of the Impressionist artists lived. You know, Saison, mm-hmm. they, they all, all your guys, all your big guys, Van Gogh lived there. They all, Picasso, Brock, they all lived in Marmartre. And oh. it's a very tiny little area. And so she was taking her iPad and saying, see this Renoir? Yeah, it was painted right there at this restaurant. So, like, the painting we had seen yesterday, like, came to life on the iPad and in real life.
1: Wow. And we had
2: a fantastic tour. It wow. was three hours. She was great. And we just, yeah, we saw Picasso's house and Brock's house. And I, it was just the, you know, the Moulin Rouge. We saw the Moulin Rouge list, which was exciting. <laughs> and, of course, because we're was American. Was been Kidman there? Course, you and McGregor, of course, because we're Americans. We kept saying, "Oh yeah, we've seen that movie. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we've seen that movie." Like we're just idiots, you know. It's our only culture. Like in Rome, oh yeah, we've seen Gladiator. We don't, we don't need to take a tour of the Coliseum. We've seen Gladiator,
0: so yeah, we've been to Epcot Center, right? Yeah,
2: you know, just... I mean, it's one step above Epcot Center to say you've seen the movie, but um, but it was really a delightful tour on a beautiful day. Now it was a little early in the morning, so Colin was a little bit of a grumpy bear mm-hmm. until we saw. This really hit him. She said, maybe you recognize this. And she pointed to a restaurant, and that was the restaurant in the movie Amelie. Oh, wow. Which is one of Colin's favorite movies. So all of a sudden, he's like, (laughs) okay, now I'm invested in this (laughs) tour. So we saw several other sites from the movie Amelie as we made our way up to Sacre Coeur. And uh, there's a big scene that takes place right there in the movie. And so afterwards, he's like, Could we go to lunch at the Amelie restaurant? I'm like, sure, if you want to do that. But just in general, it was fantastic. Like the tour really pulled together what we saw in the museum, what I needed for my book. Our tour guide was delightful. It was just uh, just a really fun way to do it. And it was accidental, but now I highly recommend it. Like do, you could take a context tour of the Musée d'Orsay or you could just do the Musée on your own and then do this Montmartre Uh tour. It was a great combination. And then, uh, we, we focused on a bunch of dead people while we were there. So we mm-hmm. had to go to the Pantheon in Paris, which is sort of the less, lesser known Pantheon. There's the one in Rome and then the. One in Paris is this. It was a church, but you know the French; they're just not religious.
1: They're really not. They have,
2: they have some excellent they churches, ex- though, but they're very secular people. Yes. So they turned this excellent church into just like a burial ground, and the and in entombed, and it's it's kind of airless, and it's not really. I can't recommend it highly. But we went to see. Marie, there's a scene in my book that takes place there, so I had to go there. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, but we went to... Julie, s- aren't you dying to know
1: what Leanne's book is about? <laughs> of course, we have no idea what this book is about. I, I, yeah, okay. People
0: need to know that. Like, she shares nothing <laughs> yeah. with us, or at yeah. least with me. Yeah. I don't know, Liz, maybe you're getting more tips. No. Because we're not writers. So yeah. she doesn't believe that we can uh, appreciate Contribute some anything. of these early drafts. So yeah, it's okay. going to be a big surprise yeah. uh, to us Action
1: said well. in the Pantheon, I can't wait to see the movie, Leah. Yeah, That's okay. I love of your new book, Fantastic. So, but...
2: One of the one of the reasons Colin was excited was because the tomb of Marie Curie is there. Oh, wow. But that section was closed. Mm. So that was a bummer. Oh. That was mm. just a, but, you know, maybe if you go, it will be open. That's yes. all I can say. Like Marie Curie was there. She deserves
1: a visit, there for are sure. a
2: lot of other famous dead French people there in the bottom. Is of Napoleon the... there? Where is this?
1: Who else is in the Pantheon? I have no idea. <laughs> I should
2: have written that down. I don't have, have a lot know. of writers. Right? There are a lot of writers yeah, there. Because yeah. okay. then we also went to the famous French cemetery. -hmm. That I had never been to before, the Pere Lachaise Cemetery. Right now, the reason I had not been is very personal. Is that that is the cemetery where Jim Morrison is born,
1: and Uh, I don't buried.
2: buried, Sorry, buried, and I don't like Jim Morrison or the Doors. (laughs) I think they're highly overrated. I think they are the most overrated American band. So in college, when everyone was going there to like worship the grave of Jim Morrison, Mm -hmm. I just refused to go to the cemetery. Boycott
1: of one. Boycott of one. Here you go, Pere Lachaise Cemetery. To your
2: principal. Land. Good girl, but but Colin's like, Mom, you know, it's Chopin, it's Moliere, really? it's it's okay. Oscar Wilde, it's all these other people. So you know what? We went to the cemetery, and it was a fantastic, fun afternoon. Ah. It was Sunday afternoon. It's a cool old cemetery. Like if you've been to the ones in New Orleans, it has that kind of feel. Families were there. Picnics were happening. People wander around. There's a map. There's some really old graves and then some, some newer ones. So it's constantly evolving. And we really had a great time sort of searching out some of the graves of the people we wanted to see. So we did not go to Jim Morrison's grave on purpose, <laughs>
0: also. Leon, way to go. Yeah. Nice move. But Sarah Bernhardt, we're glad we showed, oh, showed nice, up. Nice. We're glad we
2: stopped by you. So we saw some dead people at the Pantheon and Père Lachaise, and it was it was enjoyable. I yes. like that. <laughs> and then the last little bit I wanted to focus on, we stayed on Ile Saint-Louis, which is the little so island behind So charming. So
0: Beautiful. It
2: is so charming, Julie. Now that has changed quite a bit in twenty seven years because there's a lot of ice cream tourism on <laughs> on Eelsowie now. Oh really? Because, which is not all that bad, Liam. No have to have a little glace every once in a while. Right. Yep. So like the best allegedly the best ice cream shop in the world is there, Bertillon. Okay, and that had a huge line at all. The oh night. yeah, everybody writes yeah, about that. Everybody d- suggests Day that. and night. Yeah. And then but now other contenders to the crown have also showed up. So there's a couple of Italian gelato places there and other places. So there's a lot of ice cream tourism there. Uh, so it was kind of crowded on the main street Saturday and Sunday, but otherwise it was a completely delightful place to stay. And we stayed at a hotel, which is featured in my Real Hotel. But this hotel is called the Hotel de Jeux de Pomme and it... Because it was uh, a tennis court. It was mm-hmm. built by Louis Seventeenth as a tennis court. Mm-hmm. And then they've converted it. That into... seems
0: uncomfortable for sleeping. Yeah, it's, <laughs> you know,
2: just, the. it was the most comfortable beds and linens ever. That's all I can say. But they have okay. converted it now. I guess it was falling into disrepair. Someone found it in the 70s, this old building mm-hmm. uh, on this beautiful island and converted it into a hotel. And it's absolutely charming. And again, found it on the internet, used it in the book. And then, but I had to book it Six to you have to book six to 12 months in advance. It's a very popular little hotel.
1: Wow, it was a super romantic hotel. Wait till th- your book comes out, it's just I gonna know. go through the
2: roof. Super romantic hotel, not so much with my 20 year old son, but <laughs> if you are <were laughs> planning. So, I if you could ever that. convince your husband to go to Paris, yeah, boom. Well, why would he want to go? I don't know. But <laughs> if you're going to Paris with your beloved, you might want to check this out. So I'll write all these all these tips up and all these places uh, uh, when we get there on my website. When uh, by the by the end of this week, I've been I've been busy. But in general, we had a, just a fantastic time. You know, Paris is a big global city. We mm-hmm. love walking around. You know, Colin's impressions: the Eiffel Tower. Why is it brown? He had no idea. <laughs> The Eiffel Tower is (laughs) brown, and you know what? It looked like it needed some paint. I have to say that the Eiffel Tower better from far away, (laughs) because that whole thing, like this is where terrorism rears its ugly head. You used to just be able to walk up to the Eiffel Tower.
1: Yeah, remember that
2: beautiful park? Mm -hmm. No more. Like there's all this bad temporary fencing and security and metal detectors, Uh, and you're rooted all over the park. So that's a shame. That was a shame. That so skip that. (laughs) But here's a couple. This
1: is the only show you're going to hear. Skip the Eiffel Tower.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just skip it. You can look Look at at it on the internet. Look at it from the other side of the river. It's fine. It it was better
2: from the other side of the river, Liz. And then we went. He wanted to see the Arc de Triomphe, which is is great. Napoleon, great. Built that. But then we were reading from our book, you know. And I said, oh, you know, Napoleon really wanted to build a 160-foot elephant. Uh, in fact, so mm-hmm. much so that he, act- right. that he actually made like a mock up of the elephant to test it. And Colin was like, Well, now that I know it could have been a 160 foot elephant, I don't really think much of this arc to disappointing. Tree.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. It would have been if awesome. If that was an elephant.
2: Spewing water. <laughs> yeah. So it's a nice triumphal arch, but imagine a 160 foot elephant. <laughs> And then the last sort of place where we got duped was the Picasso Museum. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. and I had high hopes for this. I had loved it 27 years ago when I was there, a museum dedicated to Picasso. They've improved it. They've made it bigger now. They were featuring Guernica. That was the, the name of the exhibit was Guernica Liz. Uh-huh. So well, probably would, his
1: most, most famous work.
2: Yes, right? You would assume. Yes. That Guernica would be there at the museum.
1: Okay, I'm guessing from the nature of your, your comment that Guernica, in fact, was not at the Picasso Museum when you there, went there. No.
0: There's a little tone of bitterness in your voice, Liam. Yep. Uh, the name
2: of the exhibit was Guernica. And then you come to find out when you... you, you said
0: that, Liam. <laughs> you got
2: there. <laughs> that apparently the actual painting, Guernica, oh, it hasn't left Spain since 1975. Oh, There right. was a big poster of Guernica <laughs> in the lobby... But Colin and I, we literally started running. Like, we got in at 10. He's like, let's do like we did at the Vatican. Let's go see Guernica first and then loop back. And so we kept running around the two floors like, where's the Guernica? <laughs> where's <laughs> – like, crazy. That must have been a nice sight, you two Americans. <laughs> and we're both kind of uptight, me and Colin. That's why we get along. Ugly Americans and, and to I mean, the art museum. And then I'm like – I don't know. I don't know where the Guernica is. And then there was like a woodcut Guernica. I was like, I don't think this is Guernica, but it looks just... There were lots of other people's impressions of Guernica. Oh, I and like... Works inspired by... Works inspired by Guernica. So That's a were good a, idea for an exhibit. A lot of fake Guernicas. <laughs> and
0: it was just... <laughs> Then, Did you get the T-shirt with the granica on it, Liam? <laughs> coffee Julie, mug.
2: Coffee I mug. Reluctantly got the poster with the granica on it, only because <laughs> I have a poster from the Picasso Museum from twenty-seven years ago, and I up in my bathroom, oh, and that's I wanted a nice to put. Pair. And I resented having to buy that poster. I resented it,
1: but no. And every Guernica. time you walk into your bathroom, you're going to resent it again.
2: And then no granica and the top two floors of the Picasso Museum were closed. Oh, so okay, well. for renovation that day, so. It literally took us like 22 minutes to see this. We planned the whole day, paid full (laughs) price. No, Granica. That would be a Leon Dolan two thumbs
0: down review. (laughs) Two thumbs down.
2: Don't be duped, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. But we spent the rest of the day just wandering around the Marais, doing our own self-taught. It's a beautiful uh, neighborhood. French Revolution tour. Mm-hmm. We would have taken another context tour mm-hmm. that day. I would have taken the French Revolution Didn't tour.
1: Catherine de Medici lived there for yeah. a while. Yeah, yeah, Place yeah. de Vosges. Yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. Place de Vosges. We spent time there. Uh-huh. It was great. So we we did that, and there's so many you know charming shots like Soho. You know that yeah. neighborhood is like Soho now with great shops, and I had the world's best tuna fish sandwich there. So I recovered. <laughs> I recovered from the Guernica incident. <laughs> Don't think I haven't forgotten. And then one last thing, the one treat we did. Are we are we way over? Yeah. Uh, no, that's yeah. okay. Um the one the one thing we did that surprisingly Colin wanted to do, he said, Mom, I've heard my friends went to a restaurant here where all the waiters are opera singers. So Mm -hmm. they serve you dinner and then they burst into song. Mm -hmm. And when your 20-year-old son says, I'd like to go see some opera, you're like, okay. So it was our one big splurge. (laughs) And that was really fun. It was Was called Bel Canto. And so we had a fancy French meal, which Colin was not interested in. But the (laughs) singing was great. And it was just a really fun way. It was our last night in Paris. It was a beautiful, charming restaurant. And, you know, again, would have been super romantic with my husband, but
1: was very enjoyable (laughs) (laughs) with my
2: 20-year-old son. (laughs)
1: <laughs> that sounds awesome, Leon. Now for the for your Rome report, you also did the blog post. Right. Is the Paris blog post coming? It's it's coming by okay. the end of the week. It takes me a while to put these together. No, no, I can yeah. see how elaborate it is. So so we will put a link to that yes. when it's up on yes. Leon's blog. Yes. We will make sure that we have links to it. I'll add that to the show notes and uh and we will also link it to satellitesisters.com. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. So so like What's your recommendation? Paris, yes or no? Go, yes, go, go, <laughs> Paris, go,
2: Paris, still rocking it. It's still great. It's Paris. It's still great. People yeah. look great. The shoes are great. You know, the weather's great. The sun is great. The food is unbelievable. Yeah, you know, and the croissants, oh, croissants, <laughs> worth every calorie, <laughs> worth every calorie. <laughs> Oh, I really went over. I'm sorry. No, no, that's okay. It was
0: worth it, Liam.
1: Speaking of calories, I'm just going to put this out there for next week, okay? I'm going to plant a seed for next week. We're going to do an Operation Sea Turtle discussion. You know, Operation Sea Turtle is our health and wellness report where we, you know, we figure out what's working for us, what's not working for us. So our topic is how do you get back on track when you have fallen off the wagon. For those of you who are following Operation Sea Turtle in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group, I've had a couple of posts about that the last couple of weeks. So we're not going to talk about it now. But if I'm going to do a post related to this show. So if you have your own strategies, like you've had a bad week, you've had a bad month, you've had a bad like three years back to back really, really got away from you. We've all been there. So do you have a strategy about how to get back on track? And then next week, we'll talk about it.
0: Okay, that seems like okay, you're on for next works. week. Okay. You're on. Anyone have a to-do list item? Um, I am going I'm still working on some nice Father Day gifts for my two sons because I think they're doing a great job as fathers. Aww, oh, that's nice. That's
1: nice. That's very nice. I well, was maybe a... you
0: could get Will
1: some sort of homework buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Good idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm I've actually it's funny, it's also gift related. I am spending Fourth of July with some friends, and so I was thinking, what could I get them? You know, they're they kind of it's not like they need any stuff, but you don't want to go empty-handed spending a week with someone um at their house by the beach. So I decided I'm getting my friend Vichere and her daughter. I'm getting them both. Stay Noisy sweatshirts, because oh. I think they'll enjoy that. Yeah. And so the husband, Andy, getting him a Satellite Mr. T-shirt. So I'm doing all of my gift shopping with Satellite Sisters merch, but I think it's good. I think they're like it because you can't really buy it anywhere. Right. So that's the, <laughs> the, I mean, you can buy it in our store, of course, but so that's what I'm doing. I got to get that ordered because, you know, the printing and shipping takes a little while and if I'm going to be there for the 4th of July, TikTok, Right. So or- right. ordering everything today. The gift merchandise for the 4th of July.
2: Good idea. All right. Yeah, I had on my to do list. Don't forget Father's Day. Okay. Just because okay. it, it is a holiday. It sort of goes, by the way, you know, it sneaks up on your Father's yes. Day. It's not quite it's not quite as imprinted as, as Mother's, Mother's Day. Day. No. So don't forget Father's Day. And that's a good announcement good, good for everyone. Advice.
1: Yes. And to all you satellite misters out there, good job.
2: Yeah. Happy Father's Day. Uh, we'd also like to thank our engineer, Sergio Enriquez, here at the Wondery Sunset Studios. We'd like to thank our sponsors for today, Harry's Care, Zip Recruiter, and Beachbody On Demand. Mm-hmm. Anybody else we'd like to thank? No. Okay. <laughs> all right. Everybody have a great week. Julie, good luck there in Brooklyn.
0: I will thank you very much. I'm on duty. And don't forget, call your satellite system.